discussing the news and making sense of a nation on the go. You're listening to The Long Form with Sunny Nayombia. This podcast is brought to you by The New Times. Hello there. The announcement that Rwanda will partner with the German-Canadian company Dual Fluid to conduct a critical demonstration experiment is probably the biggest news of this month. Why? Because this experiment is the first step in Rwanda's nuclear journey. This partnership is really exciting for me because this means that Rwanda is on the cusp of joining the exclusive club of nuclear states. And for a country like ours that needs cheap, sufficient power for both people and industries, nuclear is a game changer. But the thing is, after the excitement comes the fear. When you think of nuclear fusion and its ability to create power, you also think about what happens when things go wrong. You think about the Fukushima and Chernobyl nuclear disasters. So, to discuss not just Rwanda's partnership with dual fluid, but also what nuclear regulators are doing to ensure that the expected nuclear power generation doesn't become a hazard for the millions of people that call Rwanda home, I'm joined this week by Dr. Fidele Ndahayo, the CEO of the Rwanda Atomic Energy Board. Created in 2020, the mission of the Rwanda Atomic Energy Board is to promote the peaceful use of atomic energy for sustainable socio-economic development. Now, if you want to react to this conversation, use the hashtag longformrw on Twitter and share your thoughts. But before we continue, do you know what you need to do today? You need to join the over 40,000 daily subscribers of the New Times e-paper to enjoy credible, in-depth reporting on Rwanda. Visit the website newtimes.co.rw to register for free. And now, back to the show. Greetings, doctor. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Doctor, I am aware that your specialty is in nuclear engineering. Is that correct? Nuclear physics. Oh, wow. So this conversation is going to be quite a complex one. So I have only one request for you. Please try to explain very, very complex material in a way that even some of us who studied uh, fine art and agriculture can uh, understand the entire nuclear spectrum and what everything means. Is that okay? It's okay. It's not easy, but I will do my best. Uh, okay. Thank you so much. I want to ask a very, very fundamental question before we talk about our new partnerships. I want to start from the foundation of it all. If I was to ask you how nuclear power is generated from what they call nuclear fusion. And I asked you to answer that question in three minutes. How would you do so? I would say nuclear power generation is much similar to thermal power generation mm. like we do have here in Rwanda. The only difference is the source of heat that is used to generate electricity, electrical power. So in case of thermal, uh, traditional thermal power plants like pit to power or diesel stations, the heat comes from burning pit or diesel. 
But in case of nuclear power plants, the heat comes from nu uh, nuclear reactions, the fission reactions, uh, that uh, when they disintegrate, they emit a lot of heat, and that heat is collected and used to produce uh, electricity. That's a very, very short, surprisingly short uh, answer. Thank you so much. I it's been three years since the Atomic Energy Board was uh, founded. I haven't heard much from you. What have you been up to these last three years? It seems that uh, this might be your first major announcement. That's true. Uh, the Rwanda Atomic Energy Board was established in 2020. And uh, since then, uh, it has been operating. And the main achievement have been now operationalization of all or managing uh, tools uh, that an institution needs so that it can function properly. But also we have been involved in following up on the education and the training programs of our students. And we are now busy uh, following up the feasibility studies of the two major projects that we are envisaging to implement, mainly the Center of Nuclear, of nuclear Science and Technology that will promote non-energy uh, nuclear solutions to boost the economic development in different sectors like health, agriculture, and uh, environment management. And also another project is the uh, project of a nuclear power plant. We have decided to use a new technology known as small modular nuclear reactors because of the size of uh, our national grid. These technologies are new and we are now conducting a pre-feasibility studies in the country to see how we can better integrate uh, a nuclear power plant into our grid. In terms of skills development, is it correct to say that we have Rwandan-born uh, nuclear scientists who are being trained? Where are they being trained? And uh, how many are either undergoing training or have already graduated? So currently we have like a little bit more than 10 uh, nuclear engineers that have been graduated at the level of master's degrees. And we have, uh, the numbers may not be exact, but we have more than 130 students who are pursuing different programs in nuclear engineering and nuclear science. And where are they doing those uh, programs so, from? Mainly they are doing in three major universities of Russia, specialized in training in nuclear uh, in nuclear engineering. But we do have some individuals who are, who are pursuing their studies in South Korea and the other countries. So you also spoke about uh, something about uh, pre-feasibility studies for nuclear power plants. What does that mean? It means when you are working on the formulation of a nuclear power project, you cannot start with a feasibility study because at the beginning you don't know exactly where the site, where the, your nuclear power plant will be located. Mm. The site is chosen considering the configuration of the existing electrical grid of the country, the topography of the country, the availability of water body needed for cooling the, the nuclear power plant, the level of seismic activities in different regions, mm. uh, and so on. There are a list of check, there is a checklist that you need to consider 
So uh, when you are when you are citing, that's how we call it. When you are choosing the site that will host a nuclear power plant, so this preliminary pre-feasibility study will end up when we have two potential sites that mm. can uh, host that nuclear that uh, that, uh, that nuclear power plant. We will know the, what is required uh, to to do in our electrical grid so that it can integrate uh, the nuclear power. And then uh, a decision will be made on the site. And once the decision is made, then a full-fledged feasibility study and even a full-fledged environmental impact assessment of the project will be conducted. It sounds like uh, it's quite a long-term, even a study or even an investment. It's not something that sounds that like it will be ready in five years. That's true. Normally, uh, traditional nuclear power plant projects takes between eight and ten years to be complete. From the, the pre-feasibility to the commissioning of the nuclear power plant. Mm. But with the new technology uh, SMR, small modular reactors that you have chosen to use, so the study points to the fact that the period of construction may be shortened from eight to ten then it becomes five to six. So if we are now in 2023, if everything goes well, if we stay positive, when do you think we'll see our first small modular nuclear reactor? So I will say by 2030, if everything goes well, so we should have a nuclear power plant okay. operational. Mm. So maybe... Uh, we'll go back to uh, um, this topic uh, in a few minutes. But before uh, we do that, I want to have a better understanding of this partnership that we've just signed with Duo uh, Fluid. You talk about a critical demonstration experiment. Can you explain to us, non-scientists, what a critical demonstration experiment is? especially in terms of what dual fluid will run, they are trying to accomplish what the risks are. Because, you know, when you think about, uh, as I said earlier in my uh, introductory remarks, there are risks in any kind of nuclear experiment. And you as the regulator, as the board, what are you doing to ensure that we Rwandans are protected from any bad thing that might happen in the experiment? Yeah, that's a good question. First of all, allow me just a few minutes to, to explain uh, dual fluid energy and uh, what they are doing with us. So I must say that dual fluid energy is a company, a startup company that has invented and patented a design of a new type of nuclear reactor. There is no uh, existing similar nuclear reactor operating in the world. And that's why in order to develop this technology up to the market, so there are stages that they have to go through so that they gather all the information on the inner working of the new technology until they get to the market and even the standards, even the standards for licensing that new technology are established. Mm. Since it's a new type of new, uh, a new type of reactor, so they need to check whether the principle on which the technology is based is really working 
in that design. They need to check whether the fission reaction will take place and be sustained. We call that situation a criticality demonstration experiment. That's what uh, in the first phase is going to be done here in Rwanda in a laboratory that is going to be constructed and in which that experiment is going to be carried out. So now regarding the uh, the concerns you raised about the safety of this experiment, so I might say that the category of this experiment is classified as a project that have a minor impact on safety. So the only thing that we need to be uh, careful of is the fissile material, the nuclear fuel that will be used in that experiment mm -hmm. because it is regulated by the International uh, Atomic Energy Agency safeguards regulations. Regarding the safety of the public and the environment, I might say that the design of the experiment, as it is, exclude any uh, danger of the public and even the environment outside the laboratory. Mm. So all the pathway to incident that can lead to an accident have been considered and their impact, their uh, potential impact will be limited to the bio shielding inside which the experiment will take place. They cannot go out of the laboratory itself. When you talk about a bioshield, what exactly is it? So a bioshield, since we are having uh, fissile materials and the nuclear reactions, and when you have nuclear reactions, we have emissions of radiations, neutron radiations that are very difficult actually to, to stop because they don't, uh, they are not charged, they are not charged particles. Then the way uh, to stop them is through building thick concrete walls around uh, where the experiment is being conducted. And uh, the thickness and even the composition of this con concrete are very well uh, calculated and even licensed. Uh, to stop uh, those uh, dangerous uh, emissions to go outside the bioshield. So that's why we call the bioshield. Inside, inside the bioshield, normally there is no human being that is, can go there. So there are only reactor and uh, some sensors that can show what is going on inside. Outside the bioshield, people can move with a limited protection. When you talk about cement, how much cement, how thick are the walls? So it depends on the flux of neutrons and uh, that you have. But in this case, we have like one to two meters thickness of concrete walls. Oh, wow. And it have actually to be even the basement, the walls, and even the ceiling. And uh, when you are building this biosphere, uh, will it also be under the, the guidance of the atomic international atomic agency yeah there are standards there are standards for bioshield constructions and you need to follow all those standards so there's you, you have no worry that anything will enter our environment no i have no worry at all and even we have preempted so that our local industry can benefit from these constructions. We have approached uh, some companies here like NPD that are specialized in producing concrete. Mm. We have shared with them with the specifications of the concrete that will be needed. Mm. They are now considering whether they can produce that concrete. They are trying to do it. We hope they will be able to do that. That will benefit the country. And of course, 
before we produce even the the production model model that they will use is to be accepted by the regulator so that we know the concrete that is going to be produced uh, really meets the requirement uh, for the bioshield. Someone will ask you, this is a, a German-Canadian uh, company yeah. that is trying to run an experiment. So I'll ask you, why haven't they run that experiment in their own country? Why are they coming to a country like ours without a history of uh, nuclear uh, power generation and development, someone would actually say that, you know, maybe we are going to be used as guinea pigs <laughs> for, for this new technology and this new kind of experiment that yeah. if it goes wrong, it's only, you know, Africans that will uh, suffer. If you look at history, Africans or black people have often been used for medical experiments around the world, uh, whether it's in the U.S. and, and elsewhere. So it, wouldn't it be fair for someone to ask that question and, and ask uh, you as the regulator, why Rwanda? Uh, why has Rwanda uh, agreed to uh, this kind of experiment? What's in it for us? Uh, how does it benefit us? And why haven't they done it in their own home countries? First of all, allow me to point out that Rwanda Atomic Energy Board is not the regulator. Mm. It is the promoter. It is promoting the use of nuclear science technologies. Mm. So in Rwanda, we have a nuclear regulator. Now it's a department within the Rwanda Utility Regulatory okay. Agency. Mm. So those are in charge of the okay. regulation. Whether we uh, are not going to be like uh, guinea pigs in this experiment, what I can say, it is practically impossible to be a guinea pig in here. The reason I'm, I'm not answering that question for them, but I'm going to answer the question from my point of view, mm. why they came to Rwanda to do that experiment. So first of all is that the Rwanda has uh, just uh, is envisaging to integrate a nuclear power uh, generation in its energy generation mix. And we have already decided to use the small modular nuclear reactors, which is a new technology that has not yet, for which uh, the standards, the, the standards have not yet been approved all over the world. Mm. So every country is using its own standards, basing on the opinion of experts in the field. So that's one. The second one, when you try to introduce a new type of new reactor in a country, a new nuclear reactor in a country that has already established the regulations, it becomes difficult because you are dealing with people who are used to another type of nuclear technology. And there is that big uh, uh, inertia, inertia uh, against the change. Mm. So, and then when you have a new technology, so actually, and uh, it's better to to try to to develop it in a country that has not yet developed uh, many regulatory frameworks, because that way. So they will be developing their regulatory frameworks based only on the opinion of experts in the fields mm. and uh, choosing, uh, making decisions uh, appropriate in order to protect the environment and the population. Yeah. So and then later on, when these technologies will be commonplace, the people will gather and just set uh, standards 
uh, safety standards for this technology. Mm. But you cannot have safety standards of a technology that is new. So yeah. you need to experiment it, make necessary measurements, and then based on those measurements later on, standards will be created. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, from the scientific point of view, and by the way, we have assessed the design, so there is no reason that the experiment will not be successful. So the, the new technology we are talking about uh, actually is an improvement of an old technology that was uh, that was suggested in seventies, uh, known as molten salt uh, nuclear reactors. But then they have improved it uh, just to increase the operating temperature and the safety measures. Mm. Uh, that's what they have done. So, first of all, this experiment. How long do you expect it to run? So from now, uh, after signing this uh, partnership agreement, uh, we will have like a two years period during which the construction of the laboratory, the equipment will be uh, set in place. Then uh, the fuel, actually the nuclear fuel, will be shipped into the country by mid-2025. Okay. From mid-2025, it will take two years to complete the experiment. Okay. And after two years, the experiment will be dismantled, and even uh, what has been used will be tested to see how... Uh, the materials behaves at those, those high temperatures so that we have uh, enough information that will inform us when we decide on the next phase of the partnership. Why does it take such a long time? Why is an uh, experiment taking two years? Because this experiment needed to take time. You needed to measure a lot of parameters. And uh, actually, you need also to see how the core of the reactor behaves after such a period of uh, of exposure on those radiations at these high temperatures. That's why it's a, not an experiment that you can conduct just in one day, two days. Yes. Then the results will not be uh, credible. Mm. And so let us, again, be very, very positive. As you said, you've said that this is not necessarily a new technology. It's just a new way of doing things. Mm. So after those two years, what is the next step after that? So the next step will be actually the design and the construction of a fully-fledged nuclear reactor prototype. Then this time, this nuclear reactor prototype will be tested and that one will produce electricity. So the other one, the experiment will produce no electricity. This, during this experiment, no electricity will be produced. Mm. No electricity will be produced. So for the prototype that will be uh, built, yes. yeah. how much uh, electricity do you think? That will be a prototype and it will not give uh, produce uh, enough electricity. But we, actually, we are going to build a prototype. The prototype we are having in mind will be able to produce like 100 megawatt. Oh, and that one is just a prototype. It's a prototype, yeah, uh, because you need to have a prototype. Uh, you conduct all the measurement. As I said, it's a new technology, mm-hmm. so uh, you you don't you cannot put on the market a new technology if you have not tested it in yes. a real situation. Monitor all its behavior in different situations. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you gather all that information uh, during a long period of time, and after some time, uh, after 
after analysis of that information, actually, then you can use uh, the information gathered uh, then and start uh, thinking of the next phase of uh, getting a license for that uh, reactor to be put on the market. I think it's very interesting when you say that this prototype would produce about uh, 100 megawatts. I think the context is that right now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rwanda, with all its methane and, and diesel and hydroelectric and solar, we are consuming about 300 megawatts. Per, yeah. Is that per year? 300 megawatts, that's the capacity, that's the that's capacity. capacity that you are using. So right now, we, we, our capacity today is how many megawatts? It's like 300, uh, a little bit less than 340 megawatts. And how much do we use? Uh, at peak hour, I think we use like 200 megawatts, not more than that. So what you are trying to tell me, what you're telling me right now is that this prototype reactor would be almost producing almost 40% of our energy needs as of today. Is that correct? That's correct. But uh, since it's a prototype and we are talking actually on a phase that uh, we haven't yet started to design, so we may just design a prototype that will produce less uh, mm. energy to fit into our grid so that we just have enough time to measure, uh, to measure the parameters needed for licensing the technology. Yeah. But uh, uh, the reason... Uh, as I'm, as I'm saying, so nuclear power projects are long-term projects. Mm. They said we are now thinking of 2030, mm. and the energy demand in our country are increasing, mm. are increasing because of the increasing population and because of the increasing quality of life of our population. And the, the projections point to the fact that by 2035, so we will need an installed capacity of about 3-4,000 megawatts. So that is when uh, Rwanda is supposed to be on the upper middle class? Is yes. that correct? Yes, correct, yeah. Mm. So then at that time, that is projected to uh, between three and 4,000 megawatts. Oh my goodness. Of and capacity. today we, today only we have 300. only 340 megawatts. So we need actually 10 times. So in that case, even if you look at all available energy resources in Rwanda, hydropower, methane gas, peat, and you use all the available resources to produce electricity, we can hardly get to, to 800, 900 megawatts. So what you're trying to tell me is if we are to get to use get all our power generation everything that we can do we cannot reach even and we do everything perfectly every dam every solar plant exactly. every geothermal yeah we can only reach minimum maximum 900 yeah 900 maximum 1 1000 megawatt my goodness and you will be needing 3 4000 megawatt so, so if are you saying it sounds like nuclear might be our only option if that is indeed the case? Yeah, I'm not saying nuclear is the only option because there are other options that can be uh, brought in uh, if the countries in the region decided to have their electrical grid mm. connected. Mm. Maybe they can share the resources available, mm. but that are not very well distributed evenly in mm. different countries. But 
that option is uh, very dependent on the political will of uh, these countries. And that one we, and have, you we cannot, have no control. Yeah, and you cannot put your life on the political will of other countries. So that's why we started earlier, so that by the time this uh, crisis moment mm. arrives, mm. we have solutions that will be available to, to mitigate that yeah. crisis. I, I think... Because right now, if you look at South Africa, they're, they're undergoing rolling blackouts where almost every day, because they simply do not have enough capacity exactly. to run all their industries. And now people, industries have to come to a, a, cl a shut uh, because of lack of power. Is that something that we're trying to avoid? Yeah, we are trying to avoid that uh, similar situation, mm. but also we are trying to, to have enough uh, energy sources that will power, uh, that will boost uh, the socioeconomic development mm. that our country needs in order to achieve its vision 2050. With any kind of nuclear energy, you need to have two things, nuclear fuel, and secondly, you need to have to, you need to figure out how as a country, you're going to store all the nuclear waste. That one that is not, be, we cannot use anymore to generate, but it's also very, very dangerous. This is a question I have for you. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is to ensure that our air is clean, our water is, is, is drinkable, and our soils are still able to uh, produce food. When you think about some of these things and, and the issues of nuclear waste and being able to dispose of it, that's on one side. And then the other, the other side is where you're going to get nuclear fuel from. I know that Rwanda has a small amount of uranium. Obviously, the uranium that, that you use is a special type of uranium. Yeah. It's not just something that you dig from the ground. Uh, so pretty much I have two questions. Where do you find the fuel from? And how do you ensure that the, you won't wake up one day and, you know, you can't find fuel and now you have these plants that have no fuel? And number two, once this very, very dangerous fuel uh, is used and now it's waste, our country is small. We are one of the most densely populated countries in Africa. Where are you going to put all this waste in order, in, in a way that uh, is not dangerous? Yeah, these are uh, good questions. Uh, uh, f uh, first of all, the issue of uh, nuclear fuel. So the nuclear fuel used to produce uh, power in nuclear power plants is uh, mainly enriched uranium. I don't know whether the, everyone understands what enriched uranium is, but I try no, to, we don't. I try to explain in a few words. So the natural uranium, when you mine it and you get it, you purify it. It is natural uranium and it has main, uh, three main isotopes. And uh, the most abundant isotope is not used to produce electricity in uh, uh, the current existing uh, technologies. Yes. So the only uh, isotope that is used constitutes less than 1% of the natural uranium. Mm. So with that low content in natural uranium, you cannot use it to produce electricity in nuclear power plant. You have to have a uranium in which 
the content of that useful isotope is higher. It's, so maybe, it's concentrated. Yeah, it's concentrated, mm. maybe 3% and above. The process of uh, moving from uh, natural uraniums to get to get to a uranium that is enriched with that useful isotope at 3 and above percent is called enrichment. Mm. Enrichment. And then when you have that one, you can use it. That is what we have. We call nuclear fuel and nuclear power plants. Mm. So the current international regulations actually prohibit uh, most of the countries embarking on nuclear projects to start producing their nuclear fuel themselves. Mm. So th the regulations are there. There are internationally recognized suppliers of nuclear fuels. Mm. And once you have uh, a supplier of nuclear technology, you have a supplier of nuclear fuel, actually uh, you can run your nuclear power plant without any problem and any disruptions. So now the issue of uh, regarding the, uh, the issue of nuclear waste that will be uh, produced and how it is going to be managed. So everything when you are licensing a, a nuclear power plant, even before the constructions, you have to show in the design of the nuclear power plant that you have a radio Active, radioactive waste management unit mm. where you will store that uh, uh, that waste. So there are international standards on how these radioactive waste units are constructed and managed. You have to follow all of these. Them. So if you don't have all those elements in your design, you cannot get a license to even to start constructing a nuclear power plant. Mm. So even the radioactive waste produced in a nuclear power plant is stored on the site of the nuclear power plant. And it can be stored for 50, 60 years without no problem. And as the longer it is stored, then its activity, its radio, radio, radioactive activity goes decreasing. Mm. And after some years, of course, maybe 100 years and more, so actually the level of radioactivity may be low, even lower than the background radiation we are living in. So people sometimes are not aware that even here that we are sitting, we are exposed to different kind of radiations. Mm. The only thing is that the level of these radiations are very low and our body can handle them naturally. Yes. Yeah. In my head, when I think about nuclear fuel and a nuclear waste, how much, how many tons of enriched uranium would you need, for example, to run the initial experiment that you want to run? Uh, we will need approximately one metric ton of enriched uranium to okay. run this experiment. Mm. Then when you want uh, uh, to talk about the quantity, maybe it's better to talk about the volume of mm. this one. Mm. Because uranium is a very dense material. So it's very heavy. It's a very heavy. Uh, it's a very heavy in one cubic meter. In one cubic meter of uranium, mm. so that one cubic meter will weigh around 20 tons, oh. 20 tons, meaning we will need just one twentieth of a cubic meter 
it's a small cylinder of almost one meter, uh, one meter long and with a base of a diameter approximately 25 centimeters. Okay. So you can store that one. Yes. But of course, the regulation of transporting the, this nuclear fuel do not allow to put it in one block. It is transporting separated blocks to avoid some possible accident. Mm. But roughly, that is the uh, volume of the radioactive waste we expect to get from that experiment. Keeping it safe is easier. Mm. And even in some discussions, people... And I am of this idea that we think managing radioactive waste is easier than facing the side effects that we are seeing from the fact that we are putting a lot of pressure on natural resources to get energy. We are putting a lot of pressure on our environment. We are mm. putting a lot of pressure on forests because we don't have a stable source of energy. Mm. If we could have a stable source of energy from a nuclear power plant, mm. which is a low carbon uh, emission source of energy, practically not emitting any uh, greenhouse uh, gas into the atmosphere. And it has the lowest uh, levelized cost of energy. So for one megawatt hour produced in a nuclear power plant costs around 60, uh, $60. It's almost $0.60 cent per one kilowatt hour. So what does that mean as compared to, for example, hydro? Hydro is in the range of uh, 50, 50 cent mm -hmm. and even it can go higher. Mm. So, and you see this one is six cents. So almost 10 times cheaper. Three times cheaper, almost three times cheaper. And uh, if we can harness that energy and we put uh, the best minds of our population to the management and uh, uh, operation of this nuclear power plant, mm. I think it's easier than to face uh, uh, the side effects uh, from deforestation and uh, pollution of environment that we are uh, observing now. Everything will cost a certain amount of money. It is known that uh, the initial cost of uh, nuclear is quite high. Uh, I may not say so, because mm. if you compare the, the cost, installation cost of a nuclear power plant even or, and, and a hydro power plant, they are almost similar. It's between three to four million dollars per megawatt installed mm. so what do you mean so for example let's make it uh, something that is uh, understandable so for the you said that the initial prototype might produce 100 megawatts yeah. of power yeah so for something like that uh what would the cost be before we continue this very interesting conversation are you looking for a job or is there a tender you want to bid for on the New Times Job Mart, you will find hundreds of jobs and tender listings. Visit the Job Mart today by going to its website, jobs.newtimes.co.rw. If you want to post a job opportunity, call 07-85-28-9489 and ask about the great rates. And now back to the show. So uh, let's put it straight. For the prototype, 
uh, we don't need as a country to invest any money because our partners will uh, cover all the costs of okay, that good. prototype. Good, good. So. Second if one. We, if mm. we were to construct a nuclear power plant that produces 100 megawatts, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, uh, you just times, let's say, uh, since those uh, uh, estimates are, are valid for maybe Europe and American continent, and uh, there are some a few data on the African continent because not so many power plant has been nuclear power plant has been constructed mm-hmm. on the African continent. But let's take the highest four uh, four uh, four million per megawatt. Mm-hmm. Then you get four hundred megawatt. You get four hundred million. Uh, $400 million per megawatt. Yes. If you compare, you will get almost the same, the, 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 the same for a hydropower plant uh, in this time of the same capacity. So you can compare, you can go, for example, check the cost of construction of the Rusizi uh, hydropower plant. Mm-hmm. You will find a, a number ranging in that, uh, in that uh, magnitude. Mm-hmm. The reason people say that nuclear power plant is expensive is that traditional nuclear power plants are very huge. Mm. They produce above 1,000 megawatts. Yeah, traditional one tra- produce 1,000 megawatt electricity. Then if you have to produce 1,000 megawatt electricity and you time uh, by $4 million per megawatt, mm. then you get a huge number. Yeah, so that's why people keep in their mind that nuclear power plant is very expensive. Mm. But as the small modular reactors are coming that can produce energy between 0 to 300 megawatts, mm. then even countries like Rwanda or other developing countries have an opportunity to harness a nuclear power plant for for their energy needs. Right now, I am aware that there are only two countries on the African continent uh, that utilize nuclear. That is uh, Egypt and South Africa. Only South Africa. Egypt oh. now is in the period of construction of a nuclear oh, power plant. So only South Africa. Yeah, only South Africa. And was it because of the cost that that South Africa is the only one that was ever ever able to to use nuclear? Oh, South Africa has been using nuclear, I think, even from the time of the apartheid. So it was not uh, a problem. Other African countries, I may say, have been reluctant to embark on nuclear energy projects for different reasons. Others thought they have enough hydropower resources. So there was also that fear from the accident, the two, three accident that you mentioned, and uh, the movies that you have been uh, played around those accidents mm. that have actually stayed in the minds of the people and prevent them from thinking anything nuclear. Mm. And uh, that actually has uh, prevented many African countries from embracing that powerful, clean source of energy that our developed countries are happily using, but uh, we don't care. And even you see some uh, African are trying to go there, to live there, 
But uh, uh, when we we talk about nuclear energy in our country, people tend to be very fearful. Yes. But they are they want to go in those countries where nuclear powers it is, is used. being used. Yeah. So it's it's a it's it's some confusion that has been created by movies and uh, mm. and some of those Western countries actually that do. Uh, that uh, sometimes think that uh, in Africa we are not able to build the capacity to monitor and to operate this nuclear power plant in a safely manner. Do you not think that maybe because when you think about nuclear, it's it it needs stability, it needs a lot of things. Maybe uh, it was because they were worried that you know there might be a change of government, a coup d'état. Then all of a sudden, oh, something bad can happen. You know, uh, they, they, they kill the scientists and now there's a nuclear disaster on our hands. Yeah, it's like uh, you you think that Africans are crazy. Yes. No, no I, we are I, not crazy at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we care about our life as much as uh, others, mm. uh, Western countries care about uh, the lives of their population. Mm. And uh, I think uh, no one in his or her mind will do something that will put uh, danger, even that will put her own life in danger. Mm. So, you know, uh, there is no such a thing. The only thing is that maybe we didn't invest much uh, from the beginning in training the people, building the human capacity to operate those. And the reason we didn't uh, invest in uh, developing the human capacity is because that mindset. Yes. So people were thinking nuclear energy is not for us. Mm. But uh, currently, even now, you see hydropower, because of the climate change, hydropower itself is becoming unreliable. Because, because of lack of rain yeah, sometimes. Yeah, because lack of line, uh, rains. And then these heavy lanes that actually uh, and can just disrupt the normal functioning of hydropower plant. So in our situation, the solar energy is a, a solution, but uh, people in the sector very, know very well that solar energy cannot boost industry. Yes. It's good for lighting, but cannot boost industry. And also it requires a lot of land that we don't have here in Rwanda. Yes. So right now, when you uh, read uh, European news, especially Europe, uh, they are trying to really move away from nuclear. There's a, a push against nuclear as a source of power. Do you not worry as uh, the energy board that by exploring this, going into this direction of exploring nuclear energy and, and nuclear uh, generation, that you will end up in a fight against, uh, you know, the Green Party of, 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 of in Germany, or Greenpeace, or, you know, those kind of, uh, those Western institutions. So I may say there is this movement, and this movement, this anti-nuclear movement is very strong in one country that you have mentioned. It has gained momentum in their political elite at the point uh, they want to close all nuclear power plants. But I think nowadays with the energy crisis caused by the international geopolitical crisis there, so they are rethinking twice. So, and uh, other countries, be USA, be UK, 
be France and other countries actually even are constructing new nuclear power plants. Mm. It's only in Germany because of uh, that problem uh, you touched it because the Green Party that has in its core uh, its core ideology is anti-nuclear. The Green Party actually is the ruling in Germany. Yes. That's why all these problems. Mm. So last question: beyond power generation. How will us building a nuclear industry help or positively affect people's lives here? Yeah, that's a good question because when people hear nuclear energy, they think nuclear power plant. But nuclear energy is not used only to produce electricity. It is used in other sectors of the economy like agriculture, health. In health, Everyone knows when you go uh, in health uh, facilities, uh, all, diagnos- all the modern diagnostic methods that are using in, in health now are based uh, on atomic and nuclear energy. Whether you use x-rays, you use different scans, you use PET scans, you use MRIs, all these are applications of nuclear energy. And uh, currently there is a step in Rwanda that we are unable to do because we are una- we don't have a facility that produce what we call radio pharmaceuticals that go together when you, you want to use all those modern diagnostic technologies like PET tomography. And uh, because you need to produce uh, on-site uh, radiopharmaceuticals, mm. uh, radioisotopes that are short-lived to be used. Mm. So you cannot even purchase the, them from another country and ship them here. By the time they get here, they have lost their capacity. That's why uh, even we are considering the the project of uh, the Center of Nuclear Science and Technology uh, that will produce radioisotopes that are used in uh, health sector, in agriculture, so that we boost those sectors of our economy. In agriculture also, and uh, we have a problem of post-harvest loss, which is very high. And because... Uh, but there are techniques uh, that you known as food irradiation that actually by irradiating cro- food crops, you can extend their shelf life. So they don't, they don't spoil. Yeah, they don't spoil. And you can actually, even for potatoes or other fruits, you can extend for some for one month, even two months. Mm. And that has a big impact actually on the food security. Mm. So there are so many uh, sectors we have uh, in geology, we have, we have in uh, hydrology, water resource management. For example, in Rwanda now we have a problem of knowing exactly the dynamic, the resources of underground uh, water resources, mm. underground water. E- even the, the dynamics, when do we have them full, when they are lower, so that we can plan a better use of those resources. Mm. And the isotope, isotope hydrology techniques allows us to do so without going deep, uh, uh, digging those underground resources. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me this week, Doctor. 
Thank you too for inviting me and it was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I hope uh, I have uh, swayed some of your concerns regarding the nuclear energy and now you will become an ambassador of the peaceful use of nuclear energy in our country. Thank you so much. Before we leave, would you like to partner with the long form? Send an email to sales at newtimesronda.com and ask for our rates. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to The Long Form with Sunny Nayombia on your favorite podcast service. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music, as well as the New Times website. Until next week, goodbye. <music>